Good day. Welcome to another episode of the Audible Local Ledger Reads to the Blind podcast. You can get more information at audiblelocalledger.org. Stay tuned for today's reading. Hi, my name's Eric, and I'll be reading you selections from today's e-edition of the Cape Cod Times. Today's date is Friday, October 13th of 2023. Yes, it is Friday the 13th. We'll start with the weather, as we always do here at the Audible Local Ledger. And today, across the Cape and Islands, you can expect it to be partly sunny, with a high of... 62 expected today, a little breezy in the morning, but sunny in the afternoon. Thickening clouds tonight, a low of 46, starting to get chilly. On Saturday, considerable clouds tomorrow, high of 61, low of 49 in the overnight. Sunday will be windy with a couple of morning showers expected. Monday, some sun with a shower in spots, very similar to Sunday, high of 62, low of 51. And Tuesday, times of clouds and sun, no rain expected, high of 62, low of 52. The sunrise today was beautiful at 6.51 a.m. It will set at 6.04 p.m. We'll have 11 hours, 13 minutes of daylight. The moon will rise at 5.35 a.m. It will set at 5.42 p.m. Moving to the front of the paper, where the lottery results and the news is kept. We read the lottery results because somebody asked for them. If there's something you would like read to the blind or those who are print disabled, you can email us at info at audiblelocalledger.org or call us at 508-539-2030. That's 508-539-2030 and we'll consider reading it. And if you miss any of the information that we share, you want to catch up on it, you can always go to audiblelocalledger.org and in the upper right corner is the archived readings tab. If you click on that, you'll find a week's worth of our newspaper readings, as well as a wide variety of periodicals and literature for your listening pleasure. And all of that's free for the blind and the print disabled at audiblelocalledger.org, the archived readings tab, or the literature tab. For the latest results in the lottery, we go to MassLottery.com because the Cape Cod Times goes to press too early to give you the latest results, and you certainly deserve them if you asked for them. The numbers game results for Thursday, October 12th, in the midday drawing, were 8536. Again, yesterday's midday drawing in the numbers game, 8536. In the evening drawing of the numbers game for Thursday, October 12th, the numbers were 0404. Again, last night's numbers game results, 0404. For Mass Cash, for Thursday, October 12th, the results were 6, 9, 13, 18, and 19. And Lucky for Life rounds out our lottery results for Thursday, October 12th with 11, 15, 22, 28, 29, and a bonus ball of 18. And that concludes the lottery results. Good luck to all who play and remember us if you win. Heading to the cover of the Cape Cod Times, the headline reads, Voters to Consider Land Buy for Community Housing in Provincetown by Eric Williams. Provincetown special town meeting voters will consider a property acquisition article that could eventually lead to between 48 and 60 units of much-needed community housing on October 23rd. We want to jump on the opportunity, said Dan Riviello. 
Provincetown's assistant town manager. We don't have a lot of buildable land in Provincetown. Article 8 asks voters to consider spending $2,035,000 on, or any other amount, to buy land at 22, 22R, and 24 Nelson Avenue, located north of Route 6 off Race Point Road. Town meeting will also consider several other items aimed at addressing the need for more housing. Here's the breakdown. According to the town, the select board has completed purchase and sale agreements for the Nelson Avenue properties, but voters need to approve the funding before the deals can be closed. Information prepared for voters in advance of the meeting states that these two properties present an increasingly rare opportunity for the town to embark on ambitious community housing projects in the coming years. Riviello told the Cape Cod Times the town has no immediate plans for developing the parcels of private for developing the parcels, but without action on the purchases, the opportunity to acquire the land could disappear. According to information prepared by the town, without the town's intervention, the likelihood of private development looms large, leading to a proliferation of market-rate condominiums, many of which could potentially become short-term rentals. If the property acquisition is approved and the parcels are combined, the town could explore the development of up to 18 units today or between 48 to 60 units once served by sewer, according to explanatory material prepared by the town. The sewer connection is expected to occur between 2027 and 2030. So what else is on the agenda? There are 14 business items on the agenda, including payment of prior year bills, declarations of surplus properties, and amendments to general and zoning bylaws. Here are some highlights. Article 2 will establish a Provincetown Municipal Airport Enterprise Fund. This is aimed at creating a more structured budget for the airport. Article 3 will establish a Receipts Reserved for Appropriation Ambulance Fund. With discontinuation of the Lower Cape Ambulance Association, the town will begin receiving funds from ambulance transports presently collected by that organization. This fund will allow the receipts to be segregated from the general fund earmarked for specified purposes by statute. Funds will be used to supplement the operating budget of a full-time EMT ambulance service. Article 4 is funding for MATA field design development and construction documents. This article asks voters to approve $250,000 to cover the next phase of design and development costs for MOTA Field, M-O-T-T-A, Field. This will provide necessary details and a more specific cost estimate to inform the funding request for reconstruction of the field at the annual town meeting in the spring. Article 5 asks for capital funding of $250,000 for transfer station trash trailers. There are six trailers for the transfer station to haul trash and recycling out of town for disposal. The station is in immediate need of two new trailers to replace two that are aged and rotten. The money is proposed to come from unspent funds from previously approved capital articles. Article 6 the Eversource easement for a transformer at the police station on Jerome Smith Road. This will allow the utility to install and service an electric pad mount transformer that will serve the new police station. Article 9, it will have a declaration of surplus of property at 26 Shank Painter Road and 15 Brown Street. This allows the select board to dispose of town-owned property based on the recent request for proposal for development of housing on the site of the existing police station. Article 10, 
declaration of surplus of property located at 288A Bradford Street. This allows the select board to issue a request for proposal to receive developer submissions on how to develop the property, could allow the board to enter into a lease or sale agreement to achieve the town's housing goals. Article 11, a general bylaw amendment. Prohibitions related to short-term rental of residential properties. This creates a general bylaw to regulate short-term rentals with items that appear to have broad support among housing advocates, including banning corporations from obtaining short-term rental certificates. Article 12, a general bylaw amendment. Prohibitions related to short-term rental of residential properties with additional regulations. If Article 11 is adopted, this amends the general bylaw to regulate short-term rentals by adding a subsection allowing individuals to obtain no more than two short-term rental certificates. Article 13 is a zoning bylaw amendment. Ban on fractional ownership. Fractional ownership describes properties owned by multiple parties who each own a percentage, along with sharing usage rights. Many believe fractional ownership poses a direct risk to the year-round residents and their access to stable year-round housing. West Tisbury adopted a similar bylaw earlier this year, and Nantucket and other communities on Martha's Vineyard are considering bans of their own. And finally, Article 14, a zoning bylaw amendment about accessory dwelling units. Even though ADU's accessory dwelling units are secondary living spaces located on the same lot as a primary home, they have been allowed by right in every residential district in town since 2017. Very few units have been created. This removes the deed restriction limiting accessory dwelling units to year-round rental only, allows the units to be accessory to a principal commercial unit, It prohibits them from being used for short-term rentals and prohibits converting them into condominiums. The aim is to make creating an accessory dwelling unit easier by allowing greater flexibility for occupancy, such as allowing seasonal rental for workers. What is a town meeting? A town meeting is both an event and an entity, according to the Secretary of Commonwealth's website. As an event, it's a gathering of town's eligible voters, and it's referred to as the town meeting. As an entity, it's the legislative body for towns in Massachusetts and is referred to simply as town meeting. Thirteen of the 15 Cape Cod towns, including Provincetown, have open town meetings, meaning all voters who live in that town may vote on all matters. Falmouth has a representative town meeting, where all voters elect town meeting members who then vote on all town meeting matters. And the town of Barnstable is governed by an elected town council rather than by a town meeting. In Provincetown, an annual town meeting is held on the first Monday in April of every year. Special town meetings may be called at other times by the select board or upon petition of 200 voters. Warrants close 30 days prior to the date of the town meeting. Petitions for warrant articles may be obtained from the town clerk. Petitions for annual town meeting warrant articles require signatures of 10 registered voters of the town of Provincetown, and for special town meeting articles, 100 voters. Provincetown's special town meeting will convene at 6 p.m. October 23rd at the Provincetown Town Hall at 260 Commercial Street. The full town warrant for the special town meeting on Monday, October 23rd can be found at provincetownma.gov forward slash town meeting.
Keeping it local, we move to the Cape and Islands section in our abbreviated reading of the Cape Cod Times today because we had White Cane Day at the State House run from our normal 11 o'clock to 1 o'clock spot where we have the Cape Cod Times and the Falmouth Enterprise read. We are live, we went live with the White Cane Day uh, celebration at the State House, and we will repeat that White Cane Day event several times in the coming weeks. But because of that, our Cape Cod Times reading is abbreviated to simply the local news. From the Cape and Islands section, a new DPW facility and housing initiative is up for vote in Truro by Walker Armstrong. Competing proposals for a new Department of Public Works facility, as well as a housing initiative to build 160 units on a roughly 70-acre plot, are top issues Truro voters will consider at the upcoming special town meeting October 21st. The two items are among 15 articles on the agenda, several addressing changes to the town's zoning and general bylaws pertaining to stormwater management drainage, erosion and sediment control, public safety in regard to curb cuts and building permits, as well as duplex and apartment zoning language. The most contested articles deal with proposals for a new DPW building and facilities, Articles 2 through 4 and 14, and the Walsh Property Housing Development Project, which falls under Articles 5, 6, and 13. What are the DPW proposals? There are two competing proposals for a new Department of Public Works facility, Truro Select Board Vice Chair Susan Arison said. The proposed site that the select board voted in favor of in July would would place the DPW facility at 340 Route 6, which is Article 2 on the warrant. Another site proposed in Article 14 calls for the DPW facility to be built on Town Hall Hill. That's likely to be hotly debated. Arison said of the DPW facility proposals. She said the issue mainly concerns where the new facility would be located and how much each proposed plan would cost. The 340 Route 6 proposal would cost the town $35 million. Anthony Garrett, an architect on the four-person DPW study group team that drafted the alternative concept plan for the new DPW facility, said their plan would cost $15 million dollars which would make use of existing buildings and be a more environmentally friendly alternative. There are some green strategies that were included in our design. Repurposing of sites and existing buildings are very green strategies, Garrett said. We see some benefits in the smaller footprints for those various buildings. Arison said the alternative proposal has raised issues about the age of the existing buildings, costs relating to compliance with state energy codes, and the size of the buildings themselves. The other central articles relate to a housing initiative on the Walsh property. Arison said the the proposals relate to an advisory committee scheduled to be led by the community. When the town voted to buy the Walsh property, voters said they wanted a committee of diverse interests throughout the town to make recommendations to the select board and to the town on what to do with the property, Arison said. It's taken several years and a lot of effort to get here, but that's what this proposal is. Article 1 proposes allocating roughly $1.4 million for Truro Central School HVAC and roof repairs. Articles 8 and 15 address a free beach pass pilot program for seniors, waiving the cost for purchase but removing that source of revenue for the town. 
The proposal was unanimously passed by the select board and then unanimously rejected by the finance committee, not surprisingly. Another article addresses the local comprehensive plan, which Arison said would address a range of economic, environmental, and housing priorities for the town. We've finally, with a lot of hard work and a lot of community outreach, come up with the update to the local comprehensive plan, said Arison, select board representative for the local comprehensive plan committee. It's an overall guiding document for every aspect of Truro. Truro's special town meeting will be held October 21st in the gymnasium at Truro Central School, 317 Route 6. The check-in time will begin at 9 a.m. with the meeting commencing at 10 a.m. And the warrant can be found on the town of Truro's website under News and Announcement labeled 2023 Special Town Meeting Warrant Available. The other story in the Cape and Islands section of today's Cape Cod Times, dated Friday, October 13th of 2023, Provincetown auctions off a fire truck and you can bid by Eric Williams in Provincetown. Did you love your toy fire truck as a kid? Well, it might be time to step up and buy a real one. Provincetown's fire department is auctioning off a 2001 Freightliner FC80 Ferrara fryer engine, which both with proceeds going back to the department. Conducting the auction is Municibid, an online auction marketplace for government agencies, schools, authorities, and utilities to sell their surplus and forfeitures directly to the public, according to the company. Other listings on the site include an ambulance, a popcorn maker, and a 55-year-old forklift. The Provincetown Fire Truck Auction is now live, and it runs until 2.06 p.m. this coming Monday. A bid for $15,000 has been received, but according to the listing, the reserve price, which is hidden from bidders, hasn't yet been met. Provincetown Fire Chief Michael Travato said the acquisition of newer equipment over the years led to the fire truck auction. It's a really nice truck, he said. It was custom built to get through our narrow streets. Travato thinks the truck would be a welcome addition to a small town fire department. It goes anywhere and it still runs well, he said. We take good care of all our stuff. The listing also states that the truck would be perfect for a construction business or landscape company. It does not mention the wicked cool to own a fire truck category that might apply to civilians have dreamed of being firefighters as kids, but it would be wicked cool. The fire truck has 11,925 miles on it, and it includes a 500-gallon water tank. It's seen a lot of action over the years, said Travato, but it's in good shape. We are through local news moving into the region. Proposed $1.7 billion child care subsidy bill is before lawmakers by Colin A. Young of the Statehouse News Service in Boston. Legislation that would offer families financial assistance with the cost of early education and child care and address the stability of the industry would lead to huge increases in the percentage of young children in such programs and would dramatically reduce the cost burden for families, a new report from UMass Boston found. Having childcare be more accessible and affordable would allow more people, particularly women, to work or to work more. But it would come at a cost to taxpayers, the researchers noted. The legislative proposal studied in depth would shift the cost burden for child care and early education from the families that receive financial assistance onto the state to the tune of $1.7 billion, the report said. Quality child care and early education matters for children's development, but it is expensive for families, despite the relatively low compensation rates for early childhood 
and out-of-school time educators. The research brief from the UMass Boston Early Education Cost and Usage Simulator Project team indicated. The estimates presented in this brief suggest that financial assistance would effectively enable more children access to licensed care, as well as substantially reduce the cost burden on families. Additionally, because parents won't be, would be able to afford reliable care, a portion of them, especially mothers of young children, would be able to engage in more employment opportunities. The additional earnings will provide more resources for their families, and it will lift some families, especially single-parent families, out of poverty. The researchers looked at Beacon Hill legislation that would provide operational grants to help stabilize the system through increased compensation and improved training, and so child care providers can enhance the quality of care. The legislation would also offer financial assistance aimed at families earning at or below 85% of the state's median income. A hearing on Senate and House child care subsidy bills is scheduled for Tuesday. Filed in January by Senators Susan Moran, a Democrat from Falmouth, and Jason Lewis, a Democrat from Winchester, and Representatives Adrian Madaro, a Democrat from East Boston, and Ken Gordon, a Democrat from Bedford, the bills will get a hearing before the Joint Committee on Education at 11 a.m. Tuesday in the Gardner Auditorium at the State House. UMass report found about half of families with children would qualify for a subsidy. The report found that almost half of all Massachusetts families with children under 14, or under 17 for children with special needs, would be eligible for the legislation's proposed financial assistance, saving the average eligible family $13,260 per year and reducing the percentage of their family income going to child care from an average of 17.2% to an average of 4.3%. And more kids would be enrolled in licensed child care and early education programs because of the availability of financial aid up from 55% to 75% of infants, from 66% to 82% of toddlers, and from 64% to 76% of preschool children, the report said. With more children enrolled in childcare, an estimated 10,400 mothers would enter or re-enter the workforce, and 21,000 currently employed parents would increase the number of hours they work, the report found. The overall family poverty rate would fall from 15.5% to 14.1%. This report confirms that solving the child care crisis in Massachusetts is both achievable and necessary, said Deb Festino, director of the Common Stark Coalition, referring to a 2022 report from the Mass Taxpayers Foundation. Previous research has found that Massachusetts loses $2.7 billion each year to inadequate access to child care. We can't afford not to act. The Common Start Coalition said the legislation is co-sponsored by a majority of legislators in both branches, 102 representatives and 28 senators. The importance and vulnerabilities of the early education and care field came into sharp focus when the pandemic closed schools and child care centers, upending the, the work routines of many parents. Early education and child care began this legislative session looking primed to be a major focus of investment and attention with Governor Maura Healey, House Speaker Ronald Mariano, and Senate President Karen Spilka all on board. Healy singled out the issue as a priority in her inaugural speech. 
calling for state government to pledge to be the first state to solve the child care crisis and referencing a version of the Common Start proposal that she endorsed during her campaign, which would eliminate child care costs for the lowest income families, limit those costs to no more than 7% of income for other families, and increase early educator pay. Let's finally pass legislation in line with Common Start to make sure every family pays what they can afford and that care workers are paid what they deserve, she said. This is something our families, workers, and businesses all agree on. Mariano said during his own session opening speech that the full attention of the House will be directed at examining ways to further support our vital early education and care workforce during this session. And Spilka, whose chamber unanimously approved a bill in July, which went unfinished by the end of the session, seeking a years-long expansion of subsidies, increased pay and benefits for workers, and permanent grants to stabilize providers, also pointed to early childhood care as one of her priorities this session. Simply put, it's past time to update the way we imagine and support this crucial sector the Senate president said. A report released last year by the Special Legislative Early Education and Care Economic Review Commission estimated that $1.5 billion in investments are needed to stabilize the early education and care system to help it meet the needs of families. The new state budget that was signed in July made significant investments in early education and child care. Spilka has indicated she plans to revisit the omnibus early care bill, but Democrats in the first nine months of this two-year session have yet to put a bill up for debate in either branch. In regional news, suspects sought in Patriots fan death by Max Sullivan of the Portsmouth Herald in Newmarket. Authorities are seeking to charge three Rhode Island men in connection with an altercation at a New England Patriots game that left one fan from Newmarket, New Hampshire, dead. The Foxborough Police Department announced Thursday it's filing criminal complaints of assault and battery and disorderly conduct against the men and will now wait for a judge to find probable cause for issuing the charges. The complaints stem from a September 17th incident in the 300 section of Gillette Stadium when the Patriots faced the Miami Dolphins. Police have been investigating the death of Dale Mooney, 49 years old of Newmarket, who became unresponsive and died after one witness said he was punched in a fight by a Dolphins fan. Police said they interviewed numerous witnesses and reviewed multiple angles of video capturing the incident. Witness Joey Kilmartin of Nashua said Mooney confronted the Dolphins fan, with whom he had been arguing most of the game. He said he saw a man in a Dolphins jersey connect with two punches to the victim's head, and Kilmartin caught the incident on video. Preliminary autopsy results didn't suggest traumatic injury, but did identify a medical issue, according to the Massachusetts Office of the Chief Medical Examiner. The final cause and manner of Mooney's death remain undetermined, pending further testing by the medical examiner, police said. Police said they determined in consultation with the Norfolk District Attorney's Office that available evidence supported submitting applications for assault and disorderly conduct to the Rentham District Court. Police say the application for complaint will now be scheduled for a probable cause hearing before a clerk, a clerk, or assistant clerk in the district court in the coming weeks. If the clerk finds a probable cause to issue the charges, the name of the individuals will become public record. Police said the case remains under investigation by Foxborough Police and state police assigned to the Norfolk DA's office. 
Mooney, known for his love of the Patriots as well as local seacoast dart leagues, left behind a wife and two sons. He was remembered as a loving soul, according to a GoFundMe page that's raised $32,558 to help his family. Other local charities have taken place. The Riverworks restaurant in Newmark having donated 15% of their proceeds Sunday to the Mooney family. And we'll close with some high school scores in a Cape Cod high school sports roundup. JP2 volleyball gets win number 10 by Andre Sims. Setter Zlata Alyoshka had a double-double to lead the St. John Paul II girls volleyball team to the sweep over rising tide, 25-15, 25-22, and 25-11. Of course, one category she reached double digits in was assists, as the sophomore finished with 14 to help keep her team's offense moving. Elsewhere in high school sports in volleyball, Nantucket 3, Nauset 0, Barnstable 3, Falmouth 0, Bourne 3, Fairhaven 1, Bristol Aggie 3, Upper Cape 1, Norwell 3, Mashpee 0, and Sturgis East 3, Monomoy 0. In field hockey, it was Barnstable 1, Monomoy 0, Dennis Yarmouth 5, Nauset 0, and in golf, it was Upper Cape 9, Diamond 0, Sandwich 141, Norwell 115, St. John Paul II 246, Bourne 275, and Monomoy 242, Falmouth 254. In girls soccer, it was Bourne 7, Fairhaven 1, and in boys soccer, it was Fairhaven 2, Bourne 0. And with that, we've come to the end of our abbreviated Cape Cod Times reading for today, Friday, October 13th of 2023. This is your reader, Eric, saying be well, be safe, look after each other, and remember our veterans. Bye for now.